T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You hear a lot in the NFL about player empowerment, about how guys have taken back the power are able to get themselves out of unfavorable situations. Antonio Brown, Jadavion Clowney, Jalen Ramsey. But that rule really only applies to superstar, skilled players, pass rushers, maybe not to offensive linemen. A stunning story as related to the Washington Redskins handling of Trent Williams in just a sec. This is Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check out ZipRecruiter for free right now. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. We'll also get into the Washington Nationals being used as an example for an NFL team. Bears coach Matt Nagy, he wanted to inspire his team told him about the Nationals and how they can turn their season around. He's got a point, but can the Bears turn it around or will somebody else? We'll talk about that in just a bit. I'm Dave Briggs, home of Connecticut. We're joined by Joe Sasky, Chasky, excuse me, the butcher boy, 95-7, the game in the Bay Area. We are coast to coast today. Ross Tucker on a plane out there for the Air Force and Army College football game. And let's dial in our man, Craig Hoffman, 106.7, the fan in Washington, D.C. Craig, great to have you on the program. It's Dave Briggs. It's Joe Shasky. Trent Williams reports to the team this week after a season-long holdout. And yesterday, a bombshell revealed regarding his medical situation. Give us the scoop. Yeah, so... Basically, he revealed or confirmed in some cases. um, I mean, this is something that I've known for a while now, but hadn't heard it straight from Trent's mouth that he had cancer, Um, that the the growth on his head that was first reported on last. Really, I mean, we knew about the surgery at the combine because Trent had posted a picture of him doing something at a hospital, getting something removed. His head was all wrapped up. We didn't really know exactly what it was. Um, so we knew that he got something removed. And then at some point in the spring, it was it was revealed that it was cancerous. There's other reports that have been out there that said it was benign. But I've known since basically June that it was cancer. And um, yesterday just really was clarity on, on how severe it was. And um, Trent even said at one point, which is, again, something that I've known for a while, but hadn't heard straight from his mouth, um, that he was told at one point to get his affairs in order, that the cancer had possibly spread from this growth, this tumor on his head into his his skull. And if it was in his skull, then it was possibly in his brain. And at that point, it's basically incurable and inoperable. So he was in a really bad spot, um, eventually wound up going to Chicago to get it removed. And luckily they found it, you know, in his words, just weeks before it had metastasized in his skull. And they were able to save his life and save his career because um, they didn't have to use radiation either. And then basically take out some of his skull and use a fake skull. And that would have that would have been the end of his career. So he was coming back yesterday only because he's being a smart businessman here. He's, he's making sure that this year counts that his contract doesn't toll or extend another year. He's trying to, you know, figure out his way pretty much to get on IR. Um, and then there's the whole physical situation, which is a mess. Um, the Redskins last night responded with a statement saying that they 
are going to try to commission along with the NFLPA a third-party investigation of the things that Williams claims because he claims that they ignored this thing, that, that he asked them to look at it, he wouldn't, um, and that, that his medical care was, was suboptimal or subpar, not acceptable. So um, I don't know exactly what this commission is going to do in terms of contractually and monetarily and all that kind of stuff, but um, they want someone else to look at this, and, and they feel, the team does, that they didn't do anything wrong and they're going to wind up being cleared of all wrongdoing. Talking to Craig Hoffman, 106.7, the fan in D.C., with some fascinating information regarding Trent Williams, the left tackle's health status. I feel like this is a Nixonian and now Trumpian question, so apologies. What did the Washington Nationals know, and when did they know it? You mean the, the Redskins? Excuse me, the, the Redskins. Did, know, did they, they, they know, they did they the know he had They're cancer? <laughs> yeah, um, hang on. Did, did they know of this cancer? Uh. I would think so. Um, I don't know um, when they knew. Um, so basically, like the timeline goes like this. Six years ago, this is Mike Shanahan's last year in D.C. This growth right. starts to appear on Trent's head and he has them look at it and they're like, eh, it's a benign cyst. Like, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And at the time, that might have actually been right um, because it caused no pain. Obviously, it wasn't spreading at all. Otherwise, it would have ravaged his body in six years. Um, and a lot of medical people I've seen reacting on Twitter, which is the best place for medical information, uh, is say that, you know, sometimes benign cysts can then become cancerous and malignant over time. So the first time he ever brought this to their attention was like six years ago. But last year is when it really started to bother him. Last year, um, it started to really hurt. The pain was becoming unbearable. And it got to a point that later in the year, he couldn't even put on a helmet. And so eventually at that point is when he's like, guys, this has to be looked at. Like, can we please just get rid of it? I don't care if it's benign, like I need it to go. And when they took it out, that is when, and this is still the Redskins team doctors. And, and the biggest criticism of Trent and all this is that he never went and got a second opinion, but these are the doctors that he had trusted his entire career. And he took their word. And it's in his words yesterday, he said, when the doctors that I, I trust my career with tell me I'm fine, I'm fine. That's how I see it. And so he uh, gets this thing removed. They do a biopsy on it. And they realize, oh, crap, it's not only cancer, it's really complex. And it's this really rare form of soft tissue cancer. And that's when eventually he winds up going to Chicago to see the specialist. Someone who, of all people to recommend this doctor was Daniel Snyder, the Redskins owner, who Trent still has a lot of respect for. And, and on some level, thanks for saving his life. So he goes to Chicago and gets it, you know, this whole thing removed. He lost 30 percent of his scalp. Um, and, and that's, you know, why the helmet issue is the thing now, because his scalp is still recovering. There was nerve damage and this thing was really complex. But at, at some point during the spring, they knew it was cancerous. Um, the question is when and, you know, could they have known sooner? How much risk did they put him in? And I think that's going to be at the center of this investigation and ultimately decide who has the power here to, you know, exercise whatever they want on the contractual side. Uh, Craig, I, I just don't understand because when you – anything you do in life, you, you seek second opinions. And I understand you have faith in certain people because they've been your doctor your entire life. But something as serious as a growth on your head that's giving you pain, I, why wouldn't he seek a second opinion? That doesn't make sense to me. No, and it's a fair criticism and fair critique. And, you know, people around Trent were telling him, like, dude, you got to go get someone else to look at it. But – 
as Trent said yesterday, at the time, it was kind of the answer that he wanted to hear for a lot of it. You know, things changed dramatically last year when all of a sudden it started to hurt because, you know, for the first four, four and a half years of this thing, it was pain free. It wasn't bothering him. It was just annoying and it was kind of ugly. Like, I remember seeing the thing on his head being like, that's weird. I guess it's just a growth on his head, whatever. Um, but like, I, I remember seeing this little like pink blob on his head um, last year. And, and so at some point it changed from possibly even being benign to being malignant and starting to hurt and cause him pain. And that's when eventually things turned and he, he like forced the issue, but him being told, eh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. You can keep playing was what he wanted to hear. You have to remember, this is a guy who played through a dislocated kneecap. His kneecap was popping in and out something that either of the three of us could not have walked or stood up with. He was playing pro football at a pro bowl, if not all pro caliber level in 2017. This dude's pain tolerance is outrageous. His dedication to football is outrageous. And so when he was told like, this is, you know, it's fine. That's kind of what he wanted to hear. And so we never went to get that second opinion, even though a lot of people around him were like, dude, it's your head. Like you need to go get this checked out. So once it started to become painful, that's when the, the, the tide turned and that's when he eventually, you know, got it removed and, and left, you know, basically called his own shot. Just great information from Craig Hoffman, 106.7 The Fan in D.C. And it's been a bad couple of weeks for the NFL when it comes to their concern for players. Yeah, there's player empowerment when you are a shiny object. But when you when you are Colecchio Semele of the Jets, who they cut because he felt he needed surgery to repair a torn labrum, when you are Russell Okung, who the Chargers cut his pay because he had a blood clot, a life-and-death issue for a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL, and now this situation with the Washington Redskins and Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. And Craig, a question. He doesn't want to be there. He's 31. He's still a premier left tackle. He wants a new contract. He wants to be anywhere else. What we understand is the Cleveland Browns are pissed. They were offering a first-round draft pick. Why did they not trade him? Power. It's as simple as Oof. that. Like, this is this is a power play. Um, this became personal. This became vindictive between Trent Williams and Bruce Allen. And it's a lot of he said, she said, or he said, he said. Um, and, you know, the, the team says the Trent never laid out exactly what he wanted. Trent says, I told them exactly what I wanted and it was to be gone. Um, you know, that the, the contract side, which is almost separate, it just kind of like the medical stuff is, is separate and scary and also strengthened his resolve on being, in his words, the 10th highest paid player at his position with no guaranteed money. And especially when he's on the field to see Alex Smith go down last year, he didn't want to be playing with no guaranteed money. He didn't want the team to have that control. And so the Redskins have long had a thing where, on the last year of your contract, we'll renegotiate. Um, so for him, though, in, on a five-year deal, he saw year three as the last year. Like, all right, there's two years left. Yeah, but neither of them is guaranteed. So let's renegotiate now. I want guaranteed money. Just guarantee these two years. And the Redskins were saying no because they didn't want to set a precedent, even though Trent Williams is the best player they've had in a decade in a borderline Hall of Famer. So the fact that it became this power struggle um, is absolutely, I think, what this is about. And I, I can't fully speak from the team side of it because Bruce Allen never talks to any of us on or off the record. But I know because Trent said it into our microphones yesterday that he thinks them even opening up that 48 hour window for trades on uh, what was it Tuesday or Monday, Sunday, whenever it was that they, you know, kind of started calling around telling other teams like, yeah, okay, we'll make them available was a power play to say like, hell, Hey, look, 
we opened it up and nobody wanted to trade for you, even though they were cutting off their nose to spite their face because this is a franchise that has an asset that other people want. And then, you know, teams like the Browns were ready to give up a first rounder a long time ago. And by the way, they need draft capital. They are starting over. They're going to hire a new head coach. And they traded their second round pick in last year's draft or in this year's draft for another first rounder in last year's draft to take Montez Sweat. So they're already short high end draft picks. So uh, it, it to me, this is about power. It's about winning the public battle. Um, it, it's about all of that stuff. And it's not about maximizing assets or something where they think they're even, I mean, they think they're right, but um, I, to what end? Like at what point do you just give up being right and say, hey, this is actually the best thing for our franchise because clearly this guy's not going to play for us. And I don't, right. they haven't gotten to that point. And I don't, Jeez. I don't know what could possibly make them get to that point because they're, you know, Bruce Allen is as stubborn as they come. Well, Craig, I guess that brings my, my next question. I mean, Dan Snyder was a brilliant businessman. The guy made a billion dollars before he was even like 40 years old. He has unbelievable acumen in, in the field of business. How does he not realize that alienating his entire fan base at every single turn, not changing the name of the organization is alienating people. And then his insistence on siding with Bruce Allen, like, is he just going to stick with this guy moving forward? Where do they go from here, I guess? with Dan Snyder as the owner of the Washington Redskins. So first I'm going to disagree with your premise that he's good at business. Dan has been an <laughs> awful businessman. He got really lucky on timing once and made enough money to buy the Redskins. And I'm not, I'm not being like a jerk about it. It's just that it, those are the facts. Every single business he's ever had has failed miserably, except for one Snyder communications, which failed miserably about three months after he sold it. It, it cratered. He just got out at the right time, made a ton of money. His, he, he grew up a massive Redskins fan here in the area. He wanted to buy the team. He was able to. He got really lucky on the timing that when he made his money, um, Jack Ken Cook passed. And instead of just handing the team to his sons, they tried to work their way around some stuff and, and put it up for sale. And then the NFL, for whatever reason, picked Snyder and his ownership group over the Cook family and, and keeping it in the family um, when they were all continuing to try to essentially buy it from their own their dad's estate. So. And obviously since, like, you can look and say, oh, the Redskins are really successful. They're worth $3 billion or whatever it is that the latest Forbes estimate is. But imagine what they'd be worth with better ownership. They should be worth $5, 6000000000 billion. They should be worth whatever the Cowboys are worth. And instead, this brand has taken a massive hit, which is a whole conversation for another day. But the other thing about Dan, to, to more directly answer your question, is he's incredibly insulated. And this is part of, I think, what the way Trent sees it is Bruce is manipulative of Dan. Bruce is, you know, he's incompetent in a lot of ways, but he's he's has some smartness to him um, and, and he knows how to manipulate the audience that he has to appease. And that audience is Dan and Dan alone. So Bruce always gets the last word with Dan. He's always able to, to tell Dan his side of the story and make him believe it. And so until Dan has other people advising him and kind of gets out of his little, very, very protected bubble where the Redskins are still glorious and, and everything is great and has people telling him, like, look, dude, this guy's an issue. You need to get, fire him. You need to move on. You need to reset your franchise. You need to do business a different way. It's not going to happen. And just real quick to, like, the closest they've come to this was last year they hired Brian LaFamina from the league to run the business side of it. Brian was able to get some of that stuff across and start to change the way the organization was acting on the business side. And the hope was the football side would follow. 
And eventually he butted heads enough with Bruce in the way that Dan sees things, which is very similar to the way Bruce sees things, which is to not treat people well, to just be as cutthroat as you can be like, oh, this is all business. And Brian LaFamina and all the people that he hired that were doing all the positive things and getting all the positive reviews publicly were fired after nine months on the job. Woo. That's a lot to unpack. Craig Hoffman with us, 1067, the fan in DC. Last question. At least you still have those world champion Washington Nationals. Talk to Kevin Millar early in the program from MLB Network. He said Steven Strasburg is elsewhere next year, perhaps in California. He feels Anthony Rendon stays down in Houston where he just won the World Series, goes back to his hometown team. Uh, you got the parade happening Saturday. Uh, do you feel those two players are going to stick around town? I feel like Strasburg is going to stay. Um, he's really like the last year, um, the way he's been just embraced by his teammates has been pretty spectacular. And he talked about that after winning MVP, you know, the hugging and all this kind of stuff, the dancing in the dugout, like he's kind of grown up and, and matured in a way that has been really fun to watch. Rendon's interesting. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what to make of, of him. I think on some of this, it's on the learners. Um, will they sign off on a deal that they wouldn't necessarily sign off for Bryce Harper? Um, I think the way Rendon just played, the answer might be yes. Um, but I, I to go two for two there would be kind of impressive. I don't know whether they have it in them, but with all the money they just made and all the money they're going to make off the World Series, there's no way they should lose by being outbid. I, I think that would be pretty, pretty big bummer. But they're, they're, they are going to lose a lot, by the way. Um, they got so many guys on one-year deals, and they went to some veterans. So the team's going to look different next year, but Strauss and Rendon should obviously be the two highest priorities they have because they're the two biggest reasons they won the World Series. You gotta have those two back in the fold. Boy, was Strasburg epic in the postseason. Craig Hoffman, outstanding reporting there on the Trent Williams situation. Really appreciate the time on a Friday. Thanks, man. You got it. And by the way, Dwayne Haskins probably is going to start this weekend, and it's the third biggest story in D.C. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought it? That you you might want to take the the opposing defense in fantasy football. That kid is <laughs> it's the Bills. Far. So yes, do that. Oh. Jesus, sign me up for the Bills. That is going to be a shredding. That kid is not ready. Craig Hoffman, good to see you, man. Appreciate the time. All right, in just a bit, we're going to talk about Cam Newton. Some interesting news coming out about him and his future and his present. Is he anywhere near a football field? But first, hiring can be a slow process. Cafe El Turicio, Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. What did he do? He switched to ZipRecruiter. Could have just hired me. I know coffee as well as anyone. I drink nine cups a day. ZipRecruiter, though, doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter. He was impressed, nailed it within just a few days. Results like that, no wonder. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. You were up, Joe Shasky, Butcher Boy, doing post game for the Niners last night after their big win, 8-0 now over the uh, Arizona Cardinals. How much coffee do you consume, brother? <laughs> lots of coffee. Lots and lots and lots of coffee. I brewed a big uh, big cup. I probably went to at least two or three cups this morning, but 
I'm a, I'm a drink coffee all kind of day guy. I, I, lots of water, lots of coffee, and then on Saturday and Sunday, lots of Pedialyte to refresh my electrolytes. Let me tell you, because that, that coffee can kill you throughout the week. You know that, man. Oh, dude, I consume way too much. I wish I could get through one day without three or four What's cups, but I am hopeless. Uh, I'll drink anything and everything, but preferably I'm just, I go back and forth between the cold brew at Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks. Gotta be cold brew. I don't like it hot anymore. I like it black. Really? I like just that the, the cold brew gets me all fired up, man. You? <laughs> I'm going with the blonde and I got a little bit of, like I said, gotta have my almond milk, gotta have my <laughs> almond milk and I'll get the blonde. I like the light roast stuff because the light roast has more caffeine. I learned from one of these crazy hipster, you know, techie bros out here that yeah. less, the lighter the brew, the la the more caffeine it has. That's my understanding. I had no idea. You learned something new when you talked to Joe Shasky. You also <laughs> learned something new when you followed Josina Anderson and Ian Rappaport on Twitter. Josina from ESPN reported that Cam Newton's visiting Dr. Anderson in Green Bay to figure out what's going on. And then Ian Rappaport tagged on to that reporting that, yes, hasn't played since mid-September and his sprained foot is not getting better. Uh, that Cam Newton hasn't done more than rehab on the side. And Ian Rappaport ends with this. Playing football is a long way off for Cam Newton. So it looks like Kyle Allen, perhaps in the short term and perhaps in the long term, do you think Cam Newton quarterbacks again for the Carolina Panthers? Man, that's an interesting question. His cap number next year is like, I want to say $20, $23 million. Uh, which would be absorbable for team like the Chicago Bears or I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out out, out loud. But yeah. Cam Newton is he's a guy that I, look, I, I love his style of play because he leaves it all out on the field. Is he accurate from the pocket? No, but he has squeezed every ounce of his body out into the game of football. And you got to have appreciation for that. The guy clearly loves the game. He's not a tactician. He's not a guy that's going to kill you from the pocket. But, he, yeah. look, he carried that Carolina franchise over the last seven, eight years since he's been there. I have a lot of respect for Cam Newton. I've seen what he does because he's come to Levi's uh, uh, Stadium. He came to Candlestick before that. I've seen how he treats children. I, I've seen how, like, he, he treats his craft, and clearly he cares about football. Um, so I just have a lot of respect for Cam Newton. I'm not here to bash the dude. I I love anybody who gives their entire body to the game. The game is so violent. It's so difficult. It's so hard to get up every single week. And this dude at 6'5", 6'6", literally was going head-to-head -head with linebackers every single week. Yeah, he's not accurate on the underneath stuff. And, yeah, his mechanics yeah. aren't perfect. But, I mean, the guy the guy is an entertaining watch. He's an unbelievable athlete. And it's, it's sad if this is his ending because – in my eyes, I, I think he is the greatest Carolina Panther of all time. I mean, Jake DeLone, Julius Peppers, uh, maybe old man Kevin Green. Like, yeah. I don't know. Is he the greatest Carolina Panther of all time? No question. Uh, until Christian McCaffrey gets a couple years under his yes. belt in the MVP race. It's weird situations to be in if you are Pittsburgh, if you are Carolina, relying on two guys to come back from injury at this stage of their career. Better to turn the page draft one of these young, talented quarterbacks, but you're kind of stuck in limbo with two very high-profile, very highly-paid quarterbacks. Not a place you want to be. 
Last question, we're coming full circle to Halloween where we started this program. Um, some of the suburbs around Chicago had snowstorms last night. They had to move trick-or-treating to Saturday night, which brings me to my point. Can we just stop with this bullshit and move Halloween to the last Saturday in October? There is no religious significance here. It's maybe the only thing in the United States no one would be offended by. Can you agree with me here? Just move it. No more Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Halloween, last Saturday in October. I'm all for that. And while we're at it, while we're switching things around on the calendar, can we move yep. the Super Bowl either to a Saturday or can we move it oh. to the following week so we get that Monday off? That's a national holiday. I think it's President's Day or something like that. I should know what day it is. But, like, get me to the second week of February so that everyone has at least the day off. Or put the damn game on Saturday. There's no college. There's no reason this game should be on Sunday night. Is there anything worse than schlepping to work on a Monday morning after the Super Bowl? It is the worst thing in the world. Like, I'm all about rearranging the calendar. Let's do it. Why not? I mean, the Mayans were so ahead of the game anyway. Let, let's go back. Let's go through the calendar and let's figure this thing out. Yeah, baby. I, I am, again, I like to fight and disagree, but I, I oh, what is the reason to not have the Super Bowl on a Saturday? Everybody's going to be happier. It's kind of the same thing as a parent with Halloween. My kids are dragging ass this morning. I have to see this four out of five years where they, they get up late. They had too much candy. Like, just make us all happy. Super Bowl and Halloween on Saturday night. Joe Shasky, Butcher Boy, you are welcome here anytime. Appreciate Thank you, Dave. You're a pro's pro, man. I feel like a hack alongside you. You are the man, brother. You are welcome here anytime. Enjoy the weekend, my friend. Have a good weekend, everybody. We are out. See you Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.